Good evening. Glad you are here worshiping with us this evening. Uh, just a few notes. Hopefully on your way in you were able to get a candle. If you didn't, maybe during our first hymn you can walk out. There's a basket of candles. You can have that for the candle lighting during Silent Night. Also, if you feel a little flutter above your head this evening, that's not the spirit of the living God. It's a bat, and I think he'll be just fine. He's posted up above the nativity scene, which is kind of neat. So... Hopefully he stays there for a while. But we're thrilled that you're here worshiping with us. Let's now prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
Our call to worship this morning, this evening, <laughs> comes from Psalm 96. Please join me. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and great to be raised. He is be revered among all bows. Come, let us worship the newborn king. Please rise if you are able for our opening hymn, number 133, O Come All Ye Faithful.
may be seated. This time I invite my family forward for the lighting of the Advent wreath. On the eve of our Christmas celebration, Jesus' day of birth, we light all of the candles of the Advent wreath. First, we light the candle for hope, because Jesus is our hope. Second, we light the candle for peace, because Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Third, we light the candle for joy, because Jesus brings joy continuously into his creation. Fourth, we light the candle for love because Jesus is love, and the love of Christ is the only way we ourselves know how to love. Finally, we light the center candle. This is the Christ candle. Jesus is born. Jesus has come. Jesus is our salvation. Hear these words from the Gospel of John. The true light which enlightens everyone has come into the world. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John 1, nine and verse 14. This Christmas season, may we all be challenged to see the light of Christ in us, and may we take the light of Christ to the world around us. Let us pray. Great God, God of, of love and light, we thank you now for the light of the special star over 2,000 years ago that guided humble shepherds and learned wise men to the holy babe. Lead us now by the light of your love that we also may also follow you to new life in him. In celebration of the birthday of our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. And now the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. From the book of Hebrews we learn, Jesus is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Please join me in the prayer. Almighty God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of your birth of your son Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, so may we be sure confidence, behold him when he shall come to be our judge, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
washed them white as snow. The good news in Christ's coming to earth is that He was here to forgive us. And He's created us a new life where we can live for the remainder of our days. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace. Pray also for me as sinner. Amen. seated. The Old Testament lesson this morning, this evening comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exultation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of, at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son is given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of the Lord. Be seated. Invite you to read along with me as I read tonight's gospel reading, Luke 2, the first 20 verses. Listen to God's holy word. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. 
and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of His holy word. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your story. Especially this evening, Lord, we thank you for the story of the incarnation. We ask, God, that you would have it be born again in us. We may become more faithful to your word and more accepting of your grace. We say all this in the name of your Son. Amen. When our first child was born, uh, it was the first grandchild on both sides of the family. It was the first great-grandchild on two sides of the four. Um, So we were pretty excited. Our family was pretty excited about that. And so I called our parents when we were leaving the house in Milton. I said, hey, we're headed to the hospital. And they beat us to the hospital. Uh, My two best friends beat us to the hospital. We had heard that Jamie's parents were in the car behind us. In fact, their dog tried to get in the car with us to go to the hospital. Um, and her parents were shortly, you know, falling behind. She had some friends that came as well. And I'll never forget what Jamie said. And she's left now. She hates this story, but it's a true story. Uh, what Jamie said when we got to the, got to the hospital. Now she's a very pregnant wife, right? She's miserable. She knows that this labor thing is happening. And she looks and she sees my family waiting for us in the hospital. And she said, Oh my God, we look like the Clampets. Now, some of you know who the Clampets are, right? From the Beverly Hillbillies, you know that story, right? And so that is just a fun story to tell. I like to tell that story. Now, we've had three more children. We were always excited about their birth, but not everybody else around us was as excited, right? They weren't as excited as that first baby's birth. And there was craziness and there was excitement. Um, And we tell that story from many different perspectives. It's fun to be around all of those people and re- Uh, reimagine that story happening. They each add a different piece to the story. And compared to the other children's stories, you know, we could talk about how quickly uh, Moria, who was our third child, how quickly she was born. She came two hours after Jamie's water broke. Uh, It was just like, boom, she was there. Mila almost died in childbirth. We tell that story as well. But that first, that first very confusing time for us, our first child, was a very amazing and exciting experience for us. 
And I, I can't not imagine uh, the Christmas story without remembering how our own children came into this world. And, you know, I know that sometimes when we read the Christmas story, we say, wait, that doesn't sound like what the children's play sounds like. Where's the innkeeper? Where's the donkey that Mary rode to Bethlehem? Where are all these things? We happen to be recipients of 2,000 years of theology and imagination. Most of what we think about Christmas came to us from Elizabethan England, right? And so we have this notion that he had to be born at night and it was cold and snowy. And while there are places in Israel that their snow is year-round, it probably wasn't snowing in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Probably wasn't even December. Let's be honest. The shepherds were out in the flocks watching their their flocks by night, and so that really only happens in the warmer months. But we come to this season, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we read Luke's story. None of those details that we've kind of figured out over the last 2,000 years appear in the original text. In Luke's text, there was unrest that we might miss. The only reason for a census during Roman occupation was how much money can we get out of our people that we've enslaved, or how big of an army can we build with the people that we've enslaved. That sends the stress level up quite a bit. Our census gives us a better picture of sociological shifts in our country, although annoying, it's not really something that I have ever thought was bothering, right? I never was troubled when the census appears at our house, but that's not the case for Joseph and Mary. Chaos had to be all around them. They had to travel, and even though she was pregnant, they couldn't mail in their census as we can now. They couldn't even report their census demographics to the town where they were living. Joseph, being the male, had to travel back to his family's ancestral home in Bethlehem. And I have no idea how to imagine how difficult that journey was 2,000 years ago. Nazareth and Bethlehem are separated by 70 to 100 miles. There's a direct, kind of a direct route now, but not exactly a direct route. They're basically coming down out of the mountains into the lower areas of Israel. What we now know as Palestine is where Bethlehem actually is. And so while there may have been difficulty in traveling, Luke doesn't mention that. So we don't know really the timeline of how this took place. We don't know how long they were there before the child was born. But we do know that they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It probably took them about three or four days. And that's at a steady pace. Maybe it took them a little longer because she was pregnant and depending on how pregnant she was. We also don't know how long they planned on staying. We just know that they went there to report for the census. And then in the midst of all of that happening, Luke says, then it happened. The Greek translation of what he writes is actually kind of broken, uh, but it, it, it may point out something to us. This is the best way that I could translate that. But it happened, and the existence of them, there the days are fulfilled of her bringing forth. doesn't really roll off the tongue well, does it? Basically, what Luke is saying is it happened in the happening, the bringing forth. Despite what chaos was occurring around them, a birth happened. And when he was born, Mary wrapped him in tight bands of cloth, which is still practiced to this day. 
laid him in a manger, which we know was a feeding trough for animals, because there was no room for them where? In the inn. Now this is my biggest kerfluffle with the English translation of the Bible. The Greek word there is katalumen. And the katalumen was actually part of an already existing home. It's where the animals would be brought in in the evening and stay. It would be, we would call it something like a guest room. So Mary and Joseph weren't hurriedly rushing, rushing, trying to go to an inn. They weren't going to the Motel 6 or the Ramada or any of those places. They were going to be welcomed into their family's home. That's Middle Eastern hospitality. It's very specifically Jewish hospitality. So they would have probably already been staying with a family. And so the, the way that King James heard that, right, when he, cause he authorized the way we have the English language version, he said, well, that sounds like an N. And not to be too dorky, but if you think about the parable when, uh, a man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was beaten up. And what happened? They put him in an inn. A roadside inn. That is not the word that Luke uses in Luke 2. The word that Luke uses is the guest room. And so they would have been in this guest room filled with animals. That's that we know that much. But during the day, it would have been cleaned up for the family to have a place to stay. But at night, when this birth ushered in, the only place for the baby Jesus to lay was in a manger. There was no innkeeper that told them that they had to stay in a stable. That's not a word that's there either. It's not part of the story. To top it all off, other people were invited to this birthplace, right? The angels appeared to the shepherds and they said, you've got to get to Bethlehem quickly. You've got to go see this babe that was born, the Messiah, who's here to save not just his people, but the whole world. Now, I don't know about any of you that have been around a woman that has recently given birth, but what they didn't need were visitors, right? <laughs> After that birth, she needed to rest. But the shepherds went, and they were excitedly telling the story. And I love how Luke says, but Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. Now, you may be mad at me for ruining some of your Christmas by telling you some inaccuracies in the Christmas story. I hope you can forgive me. But the typical story that we have in our holy text doesn't really fit on a Christmas card. There are characters that we have created. You know, we have our little Fisher-Price nativity set set out, and it has everybody there at the same time. The magi, the shepherds, the angel, the star, donkeys, cows. We don't know if they were there. We're not sure We know the shepherds came to visit. We know from Matthew's gospel that the Magi came and traveled a bit later. The biblical account isn't a hallmark romantic film. It isn't easy to describe exactly what took place. It's full of unanswered questions, at least for my inquisitive mind. And I think we get often caught up in the emotions of the Christmas story. And so when it comes time to tell it, However we tell it, in the form of a Christmas pageant or a show on television, we add things to the story that don't really belong there. We add the donkey, as I mentioned. We add cows and horses to this non-existent stable. 
an inn and an innkeeper tell us that there's no room, but you're welcome to stay in my barn. That really doesn't happen. We think that the shepherds followed a star like the wise men do, but the wise men really aren't wise men. They're probably Zoroastrian priests, if the truth be told. We had characters and subplots, and we think we're helping the story make sense. In 20 verses of Luke 2 that make up our Christmas story, only five small words tell us about the child. The rest is pageantry that we've added for the last 2,000 years. Yet, we believe it happened. And it seems that from the beginning, Jesus somehow gets lost in the shuffle. Mary is the one who truly understands what's going on. And Luke lists that the only proper response that she has is to ponder this in her heart. One of the great dangers and persistent temptations of the Christian life is abstraction and reduction and universalization and generalization. But at Christmas, we run up against the incarnation. The incarnation is not a once upon a time fairy tale. It's not some kind of timeless moral story that teaches us a lesson. In fact, I don't think Christmas makes any sense at all. A virgin gives birth to a child who was the savior of the world. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. And the insanity of the incarnation doesn't need our added details. It doesn't need a crash. It doesn't need a nativity scene. It doesn't need elaborate pontifications. Our Christmas story just needs to be told. I mentioned last year that I want to start a new tradition at First Pres. It's a telling of another story, a story that I uh, learned about from my pastor mentor, and it's one that reminds me of Christmas. It's a letter from Father Alphonse Maria Voxman to his sister, written when he was in Teagle Prison on December 23rd, 1943. Father Voxman was an outspoken opponent of the National Socialism Movement, specifically what the Nazis were doing to the Jews. And he was arrested by the Gestapo in the spring of 1943. He was sentenced to death by the People's Court on December 3rd that year, and he was hung in February of 1944. But he had time to write his sister a letter at Christmas. And these are his words. For me, the frame of the festival is clearly defined, the walls of my prison cell. Never have I knelt at the manger in such poverty as I do this year. Everything has been taken away. My home, my honor, my life. So I want to kneel at the manger of him who had no place to lay his head, who as a friend of his people was condemned to death, who poured out his blood like a libation and sacrificed for the salvation of his people and the entire world. As gifts I bear to the manger hunger and cold, loneliness and forlornness. Shining chains are my only ornament. So I want to give my life, previously placed in the service of the King of Christmas, to him who saved me with his precious blood, 
With copious tears of penitence, I want to wash away everything that has turned to guilt and remorse in me. It is in this spirit that I am going to make my pilgrimage to the manger. I hope through grace to celebrate Christmas deep within my heart and my mind as I never have before in my life. No gift, no festive meal will distract me. No candle will gleam. No fir tree will emit its fragrance. Not even a holy mass is granted me. But the infant Jesus and the Eucharist will, as a glorious reality of Christmas, irradiate me with eternal love. I wish you the grace of Christ, so that you may with strength and love drink with me the myrrh that God's love offers. Father Voxman, in my opinion, truly gets the Christmas story because he sees in a desperate position that it doesn't take pomp and circumstance. All the glorious details that we add to the Christmas story pale in comparison to the actual truth. I can't read his words and not feel moved to know that his story is a reality and he believed with his whole heart the Christmas story was as well. Along with several other outspoken members of the German theological world, he was hung for caring about his Jewish neighbors. Instead of remaining silently ignorant like many of his country, Father Voxman understood what it meant to be a disciple of this child in the manger. What is your reality of Christmas? Does it involve a growing into discipleship of the one who is the Savior of the world? Regardless of our station in life, regardless of our own personal scripts or historical inaccuracy, one thing is reality. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. And this is a reality that we should all desire to experience. So won't you experience it together with me and make it part of our story? May we embrace this incarnational narrative only with the help of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Now let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, was made man, was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. It's now time for us to continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you so much for the many gifts and blessings that you've given us in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts to you now, we ask for your wisdom and your courage to use these gifts in a manner in which you see fitting. We say this all in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Have you seated? As we come to this table that is set before us, this is not our table, this is the Lord's table. So despite where you have your church membership, if you have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, believe Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you are welcome to participate with us in this holy food and drink. Please pray with me now the prayer of great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you with joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, 
God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy send Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus took bread, broke it, and he offered it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper he took the cup of wine, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this. I lost my place. I'll get there. This is the blood of a new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we celebrate, we we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemptional Father in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We, recalling His death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and, in life, <clears throat> new and unending life in Him. And sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all of your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by Him, and with Him, and in Him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now as our Savior taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God.
Christ. Blood of Christ. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for this sweet foretaste of your kingdom come. We ask God that it nourish us, that it carries us into the new year, that it leads us to the places where you would have us be your hands and your feet. We pray, God, this evening for those who will literally pray for their daily bread. We ask God that you would hear their prayer. And God, open our eyes that we may see that need. Keep us safe, Lord. We say all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our final hymn, hymn number 122, Silent Night. I'll light my candle off the Christ candle, and then the ushers will bring the light of Christ to the rest of you.
लोग हैं
May the light of Christ be with you wherever you may go. Take that light of Christ and share it amongst those who need to see the light and feel its warmth. Go now in peace. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Merry Christmas.